DJ and PK, time to talk Michigan State football with Chris Solari from the Detroit Free Press. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Chris, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you guys doing out that way? We're doing pretty well. How are you doing in Michigan? Because, you know, you got an airport there that gets a lot of flights in from all over the world, and it was pretty wild there for a while. Yeah, Detroit was uh, right there behind New York is one of the hot spots. Luckily, I live uh, closer to Lansing, um, which has had its ups and downs with protests, but um, also a little like in between the two a little bit. So uh, been able to escape a lot of that. A little bit of country living out here, but not too bad on uh, for for the most part. It's uh, been an interesting time to say the least. So before uh, we get too far into all of this, uh, how, what are the odds the, college, the Michigan State college football schedule is going to go as expected? Boy, I, I find it hard to, to see it going, and I don't think just Michigan State. I think across the board, um, you know, especially with, with uh, what Dr. Fauci was expected to say today to Congress, I, I think that. Uh, I know one of the members of the NCAA's uh, COVID-19 panel who is uh, an infectious disease doctor at, at Johns Hopkins, and I've spoken with him a couple times throughout this. Football in particular is one of those sports that the transmission risk is high, uh, probably a lot higher than other sports because you are in uh, very close physical contact with the other uh, players and the other team and your own teammates, um, a lot of spit, a lot of saliva, a lot of uh, sweat, a lot of bodily fluids being exchanged. And then when you look at it beyond that, um, there are the other things that people don't think about, the locker room, the, the shared stalls, the shared showers, um, all that. Uh, you know, how you sanitize those facilities. What happens if if a team has a couple players or one player test positive and then they have to quarantine maybe three four days before a game do you cancel that and wipe that out uh you know and then you you talk it the the risk of of uh insurance you talk about all these other things that that come up and and gathering size i think that's another thing that people haven't really discussed a lot about i mean at minimum you're talking 60 players um Per team, so that's 120 players. Then you add in uh, coaches, support staff, uh, officials, the the people that would be needed to run a game broadcast. Even if there aren't fans in the stands, you're still looking at it around 200 to 300 people going to be in a, in a singular environment. So there's a lot of factors I think that go into this that um, you know that, that are going to make it very difficult. Um, if if it is still where we're at now, do I think that? I mean, do I think it's a, a complete wash for the season? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, I, I just, but I just think that you know, to me uh, and the people that I've talked to, it just seems like September, uh, even with you know a month lead up, seems like it's still uh, an awfully difficult bar to hit. Bill Tucker's departure out of uh, Boulder was not received well. How was his arrival received at Michigan State? It's, I think it's interesting because I think Michigan State wasn't really sure what to expect um, you know, from the fan base side. I mean, they, they went really hard, at, hard press after Luke Fickle, um, and everyone thought there was a done deal, and you know, whether it was an 11th hour back out, or whether there was uh, never any real validity to it, 
still kind of up in the air. But uh, you know, it, 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 at the moment, it was like, well, geez, they whiffed after D'Antoni retired. They went and overpaid for Mel Tucker, but. Once people started to do a little background on Tucker, once I think the Colorado fan base's reaction and the venom and vitriol, because I think he built some real good will there in his one year, and I think there was a general uh, sense of excitement for where Colorado football might get, um, there's no question that I think that, that he's got a pedigree from the NFL and, the, and he's a bit of a fast riser within the, the college coaching community. So um, I think that they, they've gone about this. I mean, cause especially when D'Antonio retires February 4th, you know, a day before the, the final signing day period, open, signing period opens um, after the coaches' clinics and conventions and everything, and most of the jobs have been filled. Uh, that was Michigan State in a real bad spot. And I think that not only have they done a good job in bringing in Tucker after missing on Fickle, I think Tucker's picked up the ball and, and really built some momentum for this program for Michigan State that had been stagnant the last few years under D'Antonio. So momentum's great. Returning quarterbacks are better, but uh, the starter's <laughs> off to the NFL. So what is, is the quarterback race just wide open now? I think everything's wide open right now. That's the funny thing is they were getting ready to start spring practice uh, the week after the everything got canceled. So Mel Tucker hasn't even had this team out in the field yet to, to kind of give it an evaluation. Um, I, I think it's going to be, and he was still at that point finalizing and finishing his coaching staff up until right before I think they were supposed to start March 16th or 17th. Uh, but obviously everything got shut down right before that. So he hasn't had a chance to see guys throw yet. I mean, they've got a, a returner in, in Rocky Lombardi, who's the backup last two years, uh, had some starting experience when Brian Lewerke was, was injured two years ago, uh, but has really struggled to, with his consistency. They have two young guys that they like in Peyton Thorne, who's a kid from from Illinois, who's a true freshman who redshirted last year, and uh, Theo Day, who was a redshirt freshman last year from from locally in, in Detroit area, uh, who had about six snaps uh, and was yanked from one game. So, not much backup experience beyond Rocky Lombardi. Uh, who is the, the the returner with some experience? But certainly they need the, they need to find the guy to replace the work because he was really uh, the the one that made that offense move when it did move, and it really wasn't moving a lot the last couple of years. But I look at the other skill positions: uh, Elijah Collins at running back, uh, pretty good. Uh, you've got uh, Naylor and Barnett and receivers. Uh, Kenny Morgan, six foot six. So it looks like. Uh, receivers and running back, they should be pretty good. Well, Barnett's going to be an interesting case because uh, he played offense last year when they were in such a dire need of of having some explosive plays uh, when they went to that no-huddle approach under D'Antonio and and spread attack for really the first time. And Barnett's going to more than likely end up on the defensive side of the ball. He was brought in as a four-star cornerback, so... um, could he play both ways? Possibly. Uh, depends on some of the other guys that, that could be game breakers. I think that the name to watch is Jaden Reed, who uh, transferred from Western Michigan and sat out last year. He was a freshman All-American at Western Michigan. Also a high school teammate of Peyton Thorne, the, the young quarterback. So I think that's an interesting guy to watch. But Collins, I thought, really seized the, the running back job last year. 
uh, two games into the season and forced a couple guys to leave the program, one of whom is Connor Hayward, who's back. He actually entered the transfer portal, but the portal stayed put in East Lansing, and he's going to be back. So that gives him some veteran depth at running back. He's also a guy that can flank out. Um, you know, they, they've got a lot of offensive linemen returning, but also a lot of guys who have been significantly injured. Um, and have histories of injuries now that have really curtailed what the offense has been able to do with with uh, the past two years when when they had a quarterback in Brian Lewerke who who had some talent but but really struggled with accuracy and struggled to to stay in the pocket because the the offensive line continually broke down. I mean, you go back and look. I think it's you know maybe. Over the course of 26 games over the last two years, I don't think there was more than maybe two or three games uh, where the same offensive line was trotted out back-to-back games. So uh, if they're, they've, they've got some talent up front, but if they have to keep them on the field together, that's a key for this team right now with an experienced quarterback. So you look at the defensive line, and that was that was senior laden. And three of the four guys off yeah. to the NFL, only one drafted. The others on free agent contracts. But the point is, the holding line has to rebuild. How are they going to be versus the run? It's a good question. Um, you know, because they had some guys in in Raquan Williams and Mike Panashuk and Kenny Willickus who really elevated that defense to to being the, the top run-stopping defense in the country two years ago and three years ago they were top ten and they you know I think they were they were up there last year but had some drop-off with having to play significant more snaps with with some of the offensive deficiencies um, they've got some youth I, I think that Jacob Panashuk is a guy who comes back at defensive end uh, and I believe he's the only returning starter in the front four uh, but they got guys like Naquan Jones, uh, who played a lot of football in the middle. They got some young guys that they like there. Um, and, and some Deshaun Mallory, who I think was a redshirt freshman last year, and Jalen Hunt, who was a true freshman who didn't play. They like those two guys. So they got depth in the middle, uh, generating a pass rush from the edge with, with that they lose with Kenny Willick is going to be a, a real challenge. Um, that's where some of the younger guys may have to step in. And, you know, a guy like uh, Michael Fletcher, who's a true freshman, they really like him. He didn't play last year. Uh, so he's going to be a redshirt freshman this fall. Got some size, got some power and shock to him. And then at linebackers, they've got some. They lose really two two thirds of their starters with Joe Bocci and Tyreek Thompson. Antoine Simmons is a guy who's who's shown the ability to make some pressure from the edge at uh, the star linebacker position. It's kind of in limbo as well where he'll be. I mean, they they played him some in the middle last year uh, after Bocci got suspended. Uh, they they can move him to the strong side if they they need to. So that but there wasn't a lot of depth. Uh, and there wasn't a lot of snaps for the depth guys a year ago. A guy like Noah Harvey's probably the the other returning starter. He started at the end of the year towards the bowl game. So there's certainly some some holes to fill uh, in that front seven for Michigan State after having such a good run those last couple of years under D'Antonio. Well, I can make the same case that as far as the corners and safeties, I think there's only one starter each at both positions returning. So there's going to be a lot of new faces in terms of starters there too, right? 
Yeah, Shakur Brown, who started at the end of the year, uh, comes back at cornerback. And Xavier Henderson, who took over the starting job a year ago at strong safety, is back. But, yeah, they lose uh, Josiah Scott to the NFL a year early, um, they, they, who, uh, you know, I think he ended up being a fourth-round pick. Uh, that's going to be a big loss at cornerback. That's where I think maybe uh, Julian Barnett will shift over from receiver and, and be a force there. They've got some other guys that they like. Um, then they lose David Dowell, who's a three-year starter at, at, at free safety. They've got a couple guys in the mix for that job, including his brother, his younger brother, Michael. So um, there, there's depth. I think that, that there's there's guys like like a Dominique Long, and, who, who was a special team star, but but might finally get on the field at safety a little bit, um, or or a uh, uh, couple other guys that, that have played the last few years in a backup capacity, but um, not necessarily the the veteran starters that they they were getting accustomed to the last few years. It's going to be going to be a different deal because this is a team that that relied on its defense the last couple of years in D'Antonio's era and um, you know the defense played a lot of football but the starters played a lot of football because many of those games were were closer that they needed to to be on the field so these are guys that have been in the program but really haven't had a lot of taste of, of exposure and experience. Chris Solari joining us, Michigan State football writer for the Detroit, Detroit Free Press, part of our spring football tour. BYU set to host Michigan State in the second game, Saturday, September 12. So when you put all of this together, it sounds like there is a lot of work to do, and the Michigan State would be pretty vulnerable early in the year, but also that hopes ought to be pretty tempered for the season as a whole. Am I right? Yeah, I think that, you know, and Mark Antonio talked about this not, you know, towards the end of his tenure and I believe even in his retirement press conference, the baseline for this program that he is handing off to Mel Tucker is to get to a bowl game. Um, I think that's the the minimum. I mean, this is a program that that really didn't have that consistency in making the postseason up until D'Antonio took over. And then in 12 of his 13 seasons, he took them to a bowl game. I mean, that's that's remarkable in the history of Michigan State football. And it's been a, that's a strong football history when you think about it, the national championships they've won and, you know, all of that. But, but you know, in the bowl era, really, I think probably from, from 70 on, um, you know, once the Big Ten opened up the doors to, to more than just one team going to the postseason, uh, you, you didn't really see Michigan State in the mix for postseason games consistently. Um, but that's a different. That, that's the difference between where D'Antonio took over and where he left it. Mel Tucker, I think, is going to be. He, he's he's got that baseline. He, he's got to get the six wins. Uh, but you know, a lot of it is going to be learning new pieces on the fly. I mean, because who knows when they're going to be able to get to start practicing? That'll be the first chance he gets to see these guys. So um, they're already behind the eight ball with when D'Antonio resigned. They they. Made, they made quick movement to get Tucker, but not quick enough to get them out in the field for spring practice, even for for one snap. So, um, you know, everybody's expectations are a little bit uh, tampered, uh, uh, tempered here in East Lansing, as well as around the country, but especially with Tucker and his staff. But there's talent here. There's no question about it. Chris Solari, Michigan State football writer for the Detroit Free Press. Chris, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it, and uh, hopefully we'll see you out here in September. 
Sounds great, guys. Be safe and stay well.